Hi, this is Maddie Rose, host of The Fame Game, and this is Our Future is Missing. Please be on the lookout for Lauren Spirer. She is 20 years old and went missing from Bloomington, Indiana, June 3rd, 2011 at 4.30 a.m. She is Caucasian, 4'11", 95 pounds, with blue eyes and blonde hair. She was wearing a white tank top, a white button-down shirt, and full-length black spandex pants. If you know of Lauren's whereabouts, please contact the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children's Hotline, 1-800-THE-LOST or 1-800-843-5678. To see a picture of Lauren, please click on the link on the Voice America homepage, Our Future is Missing, or go to ourfutureismissing.com. Thank you. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Kids channel. We'll take you behind the scenes and preview new movies and DVD releases. Now, here are all of your hosts for Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids Network. Today, we will be talking about the movie Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2. Also, we will be talking about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter at the Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, and talking about the Harry Potter Press Junket, which I attended this weekend for the DVD release of Deathly Hallows Part 2. We will also be reviewing My Dog Skip and the new film starring Adam Sandler, Jack and Jill. So to start off the show, we're going to be talking about the Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 press junket and red carpet event, which was held in Orlando, Florida at the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park. And I went to that and it was so much fun. I got there on Thursday and we got all signed in and I got my press pass and then we stayed at this beautiful hotel and resort called the Royal Pacific Resort and... Um, On Friday, I got to go interview a bunch of the cast members and um, some of the directors. I interviewed Rupert Grint, who plays Ron. I interviewed a bunch of other people, too many people to name. And then also on the red carpet, I got to interview quite a lot of people. And that was just such a great experience for me. And we'll also be talking about the movie Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2 with Mackay. And so we'll weave sort of the press junket in and out of that. So, Mackay, you saw the movie as well. What did you think about it? I mean, I know you're a little bit younger, so what was your opinion of the film? Well, this film might be scary for a little bit younger kids, or maybe kids my age, but um, since my sister's older, um, I usually watch movies like that with her, but it might be a little bit scary for other movies. Otherwise, it's a really good movie. But before you see the last movie, I suggest seeing the other movies so it just doesn't ruin the end. I agree with you on that. And the reason that the press junket happened and the red carpet thing happened is because it's for the DVD release, which came out on DVD and Blu-ray on 11-11-11, which was just a couple days ago. 
And I thought the movie was absolutely amazing. Everybody has fallen in love with the Harry Potter series. It has captured the attention of so many audience members from all around the world, and that's very exciting. And I really think that the series went out with a bang with this last movie, and I thought it captured all the emotion, and it, it was really brought everything to a wonderful close. So, Makai, what did you think about the actors' jobs? I mean, I know you've seen all of the films, and you stuck with the same actors through the entire thing. So, what do you think about their final performance? Their performance was very good. It's fun to watch them from when they were 10 years old, and it took 10 years to make all of the movies, so they're about 20 right now. Mm-hmm. And I so... um. It's fun to watch them progress and, like, see them when they're really young and then watch them when they're older and they look so much different. (laughs) I absolutely agree with you. And I actually got to meet, you know, some of the cast members, like I said. And it was awesome meeting Rupert Grint. I got to interview him twice, actually, um, on a one-on-one in-person thing. And then I also got to interview him on the red carpet. And it was so wonderful getting to meet all the different people. I interviewed... um, Jason Isaacs, who plays Lucius Malfoy. I interviewed Warwick Davis, who plays Professor Professor Flitwick, and also he plays Grip Hook. I interviewed uh, the girl who plays Lavender Brown. I interviewed Ivana Lynch, who plays Luna Lovegood. I interviewed a bunch of different people, and I was really nervous about, you know, I, I was nervous about getting to see them. And I was in, I was nervous about meeting them because I had just seen them on, you know, TV and watching the movie. And then when I got to meet them, they were so down to earth and so relaxed. And it was really great. And the interviews, the one-on-one interviews went absolutely fantastic. Getting to talk to them. You had about five minutes with one-on-one time to talk to them. And I thought it was great because Rupert Grint was the first person who I talked to. And we... Got I interviewed him sort of by Hagrid's Hut, which is a little bit out of the way from the rest of the theme park. And it was sectioned off with security guards. But every once in a while, every time some girls t- would be passing by and they'd, you know, catch a glimpse of him and they'd be yelling, I love you, Rupert. So I thought it was really fun because he handled everything really nicely. And I think he was probably my favorite person to interview. But that would be hard to say because everyone was so great and so friendly. So, Makai, what did you think about the special effects? I know the special effects have been superb from the very first movie, and they just keep getting better and better and more detailed. So what did you think about that? The special effects in this movie were very cool because it was like all of the movies combined together. And um, I saw it in 3D, and it didn't give that much of a 3D, but it gave like a nice thickness because i Mm -hmm. um remember when we went to the boot camp and saw uh that one the uh the nightmare before christmas Mm -hmm. it was kind of like that just a nice thickness um it just didn't it wasn't really popping out you like 3d i think the 2d version was absolutely fantastic so i can't wait to see the film in 3d even if it just adds a bit of depth to it i still think that would be fantastic You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are reviewing Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows Part 2, My Dog Skip, Jack and Jill, 
And we will also be giving you an inside look at the Harry Potter red carpet event and press junket. And that's what we're doing right now. We're talking about the Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2 film and also the red carpet event. So like Makai was saying, she didn't think that the 3D really popped out at you like some other films. And I haven't seen it in 3D. I've seen it in 2D. But I still thought it was beautiful and it was great. And it was it was just up to par with all the rest of the films. And like I said, it really sent the series out with a bang. So, Mikhail, what did you think about the overall production? There's been a couple different directors and producers throughout the years. So, looking at the overall story of Harry Potter, how did you think the movies corresponded with each other? The movies correspond with each other very well, and um, I think what made them so good, because the books are so good, and usually the books are better than the movies, or the movies are better than the books. Mm-hmm. And... um. I thought in this case the books would be better than the movies, but they're just the same. And I think why? Because um, J.K. Rowling got to um, she did most of the the designing of the sets. Oh yeah. And, and so it popped a little bit more of like that creative, imaginative part of um, the world of wizarding. Oh, I absolutely agree with you. It was so similar to the books, and I think the books are absolutely fantastic. And I got to talk with David Yates, who has been the director for the past couple of Harry Potter movies. And he was talking to me. I asked him what he thought the most difficult part of directing such an amazing grand-scale film like Harry Potter. And what he said was the most difficult part was trying to figure out what you want to leave out of the books that you can't fit into the movies because, you know, you can't fit every single aspect of the book into the movie. So he said the most challenging part was figuring what to add and what to leave out. So I thought that was interesting, but I think the movies were very structured around the books, which is something that a lot of movies sort of stray away from. And I thought sticking true to the story and plot of the book was fantastic and really added a lot. So, Makai, what do you think about, you know, now that the whole Harry Potter series is over, how do you think fans can still be able to relive that over and over again? Well, what I think you should do is buy the movies, <laughs> yes. all of them, and because um, we have all the movies, and me and my sister, we watch them all together, even if we've seen the same one over and over again. Like, me and my sister, we've memorized the third one. Oh, yeah. That's how it is for me. And so, we just love these movies so much. And we feel like we know the characters in the movies. They're structured so well. And um, But you should buy the movies, and if you haven't read the books, you should definitely read the books. For all those other people that already have all the DVDs except for the very last one, rush to stores and get that right away before they're all off the shelves because this will go so fast. I love the entire Harry Potter series. And like you said, Makai, it's great to be able to follow the characters because they have such structure. And I think that's wonderful because the first Harry Potter book came out, I mean movie, came out when I was quite young. And, um, you know, now I think it's great because you're able to grow up with the characters. And even if you're all grown up, still being able to travel through the journey of all these characters and these actors that have grown up with the story. I think that's great. 
It's like you, if you notice the lengthens of the book, the first ones, well, the first one's kind of big and then thin, thin, and then the last one's like this massive book. Oh, yeah. Because you grow into larger things. So Harry Potter, you really have to grow up with it because my sister, she started when she was two years old. My mom read it to her and she's kind of grown up with the books and I think same with the movies. You grow up with them, too. You kind of grow up th- with the characters. And you grow up with, like, the length in. Because when you're mm-hmm. littler, you can't, you can't wait many. that yeah. long through a movie. And then when you're older, you can sit through, like, three hours of a movie if it's mm-hmm. as good as Harry Potter is. Yeah, well, it's absolutely a growing experience. Looks like it's time to take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the kids' first film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the Fame Game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the Fame Game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up.
welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the classic HGNet film, My Dog Skip, with Mackay Colvin from Santa Fe, New Mexico, and Gabriella Chu from New York. So, hi guys, how are you doing? I'm good, you? Good, too. Good, thank you. Mackay, how about you tell me what the storyline of My Dog Skip is? Well, the storyline, it's basically about a little boy who doesn't have any friends. And when his birthday's coming up, his mother gives him some cards. What's it called? Um, never mind. Uh, just some new letters to give out to his friends. But his mother kind of knows he has friends, but she wants him to make friends. And um, But he doesn't really have any friends. And his dad's kind of they're both kind of like wish he would make friends and like wish he wasn't so different than everyone else and so it turns out that he just invites his grandma and grandpa and at his birthday he gets three presents a pocket knife from his grandma a stuffed dog from his um from his pop and a real little puppy from his mom. And now his dad does not want to have the boy have the puppy. Mm-hmm. But he, does, he doesn't know that this would help him make friends and be more interactive with other people. And yeah. um, he just doesn't think he's ready mm-hmm. because he thinks the puppy's going to like die and something's bad going to happen. I see. So, Gabriella, I know this is an older film, and I also know that it's a live action. So, what did you think of the cinematography, considering the age of the film? I thought the cinematography of the movie was good, but there were a few scary scenes. So, I would recommend this movie to children seven and up. There were a few scary scenes, like when um, Skip, Willie's dog, the Mm -hmm. protagonist and main character of the movie, his dog was beaten in some parts of the movie. So I think, yeah, that might um, make some children frightened. Mm -hmm. Makai, what do you think about that, you know, the whole frightening aspect of the film? I think it would frighten some children. But I kind of disagree with Gabby, not anything against her or anything. But um, I just kind of disagree because every movie has a little bit of that. And I think you could lower the age to, like, five. But it really depends on your kid if they're used to that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I hope nobody's used to having dogs beaten. But um, I think it would probably have to be up to parents to see what they want to expose their children to that's how it is for all movies even if they're rated g for general audience i think parents should just be aware of what content so mikhail what do you think your favorite scene would be in this film my favorite scene hmm i think my favorite scene in this film would probably have to be when him and Skip are walking around town and they're knowing everybody and they walk to the meat shop and he gets a little piece of bologna and Skip is just helping him make new friends. He's running up mm-hmm. to different people and Skip just runs off and plays and then the little boy goes and finds Skip and when he finds Skip, of course, he meets new people that Skip are going up to. And um, 
I think it was really cool because in this time they were separating darker skinned people and lighter skinned people, which I don't really like. It was like in the war and um and Skip runs on to the other side and the little boy follows him and he meets a new friend. And so that's mm-hmm. really cool. And the little boy thinks he knows the best football player in town. And then another boy's like, Oh, you haven't seen this guy and <laughs> It was a really nice part of the movie. I see. So I think that's actually very interesting that it showed segregation in this film. And that must have brought up some emotions and some messages. So what do you think was the biggest message that you got out of that whole segregation part? There wasn't much of it. It just showed that you could kind of tell because the there's a bunch of blacks on like the side of town where everything, like there wasn't the nice stuff and they were they got like the bad stuff was wasn't really fair but um, i see and then like at the movie theaters there's a black line yeah and a white line uh-huh. um but if you look now we're all mixed up and yes. i think that's the way it should be Well, I agree definitely with you on that. I think, you know, that's how it was a lot back then. And that's very sad, but I think that's good that it incorporated that in the movies. And that makes sense considering the age of the film. So, Gabriella, why don't you tell me about Frankie Muniz's character? He was uh, the main lead, Willie. What did you think of his performance? I thought his acting was great. He plays the character Willie Morris, and he's a shy boy who's bullied by a few boys in his neighborhood. And you can really see his character change from the beginning of the movie to the end, because in the beginning, he's an outcast and he's very timid. But when um, his mother gives him his dog Skip for his ninth birthday, you can totally see how he becomes so much happier with his new dog and he and his dog skip helps him face the challenges of adolescence oh that's awesome so what did you think about his parents played by diana lane and kevin bacon i thought his parents were very supportive and um when his mother initially gave him the dog his father really disapproved it, but he was only doing it for his own good. But later on, um, they stuck by him through all of the hard times. Like there was one scene after Skip was beaten, he was at the hospital and Willie played by Frankie Muniz. He was about to cry and it was very sad, but his parents were sticking by him and telling him that it was okay. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devani, and today we are reviewing the movies My Dog Skip, Jack and Jill, and we will be giving you an inside look on the wizarding world of Harry Potter in Orlando, Florida theme park. So, like you were saying, Gabriella, his parents were sort of iffy about the dog at the beginning. It seems like their relationship might have been a bit rocky, especially between uh, Willie and his father. Did you think that conveyed any messages about how... Willie overcame his fears? I think the main message of the movie is that dogs are a man's best friend. I think that was what the movie was trying to emphasize because the entire film shows Willie and his dog having fun and grow older together. Mm -hmm. And I think it really depicted the true meaning of friendship because they stuck by each other through tough times and they made it through and they had good times together. Well, that's a beautiful message. And considering that this film 
it's a bit older. I know in older films, music is a major aspect in the films, and it really helps convey emotion. And it does seem like this film is very emotional. So, Makai, what did you think of the soundtrack and background music? Well, I didn't hear much music in the mm-hmm. background, but the music I did hear was very in line with mm-hmm. what scene they were in. Um, off-topic music. So it really corresponded with the storyline and it wasn't, you know, random music? Yeah. Well, that's fantastic. So I have a question for you guys. How many stars would you give this film on a scale of one to five? I would give this film five out of five stars. That's awesome. And why would you give it five out of five? Because it's a movie most everyone would like. And Mm. it's one of those movies like... Um, if you've seen Where the Red Fern Grows, mm-hmm. it's one of those movies that just, like, it's a family movie that you like to watch, and it's not too young, and it's not too old, and you can watch it with your older sister. She won't be like, oh, no, that's too young. Well, I love your comparison to Where the Red Fern Grows. That's fantastic. So, Gabriella, how many stars do you think you would give this film? I would give this film four out of five stars because I didn't really think it was perfect. And um, I, if I were to add anything to the movie, I think I would add more scenes showing Willie and his dog together and really show how his dog shaped Willie's life. Because I did think this movie was very heartwarming, but I think mm-hmm. um, it could have been improved a little. I see. So, Gabriella, you're sort of on the older scale of our film critics and everything. Do you think that parents would be able to sit down with their kids and teenagers and be able to enjoy the film without seeing too many cliches or too many overused storylines? Yeah, um, the storyline of the movie was not very cliche. It was pretty original. But I think older kids like me might not find this movie as appealing. But like what Makai said, I think this movie is like perfect for all ages and anyone can enjoy it. I see. Well, thank you guys so much for telling me about this film. It sounds like a very heartwarming classic. And this is playing on HGNet Movies in Kids Scene right now. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. 
Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. Another movie is coming up. Welcome back to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's discuss the new film starring Adam Sandler called Jack and Jill with Gabriella Chu from New York. So, Gabriella, I hear this film is very funny. It stars Adam Sandler, and he plays himself and his sister. So, tell me a little bit more about the depth of the plot. So the movie is about um, a fiction, it's a fictional comedy about two identical twins, Jack and Jill, who don't get along at all. But then Thanksgiving arrives and Jill comes over to Jack's house as she does annually to have some twin bonding time. And both of them do a variety of things together with their family, like going on a cruise, a game show, and they even get to know Al Pacino. (laughs) That's awesome. So what did you think about Adam Sandler and his performance? I think it must have been very interesting to see him play two characters. Since they're identical twins, they obviously have some similar characteristics. But it seems like his sister is so much more fiery and crazy and doesn't really think things through. So how do you think he portrayed the relationship of the two characters? Yeah, I think he portrayed the relationship of the two characters very well because you can really see how different Jack and Jill are because even though they're twins and in some scenes they act the same, like when they were in the movie theater, they were doing the same hand gestures when they were Mm -hmm. watching the film. But in in other aspects, the way they act, like Jill, she's really loud and Jack is very quiet. So I thought it was interesting to see how their contrasting personalities like weighed against each other. 
I think that's amazing. Adam Sandler is such a fantastic comedian. And I think that's great that he was able to, you know, do two different characters in one movie. And I think that's great that he was able to portray that so smoothly and nicely. So I know his children must be a big part in this movie because they're dreading Thanksgiving and being with their family. So what did you think about their performances? The children's performance were good, too. Um, Adam Sandler's son, he was really funny because throughout the movie, he kept taping himself to, like, chicken. And um, his daughter was very cute. She, mm-hmm. Well, both children were actually, um, they really liked Joe and her personality. So. Mm-hmm. so also getting to know the rest of the family, what did you think about Katie Holmes? She played the wife in this. She was a really nice character because she was always trying to keep the family intact and have them not fight against each other because Jack and Joe, they would get into fights pretty often, but she always tried to settle it down. And also more about the characters. What did you think about Al Pacino and his cameo on the movie? Al Pacino was hilarious because in the movie, he pretends that he falls in love with Joe at first sight. So that was pretty funny because Joe isn't the um, kind of person that a lot of guys in the movie found attractive. And he (laughs) constantly tried to go after her. That's hilarious. It must have been absolutely hilarious. So I know that there's a little bit of crude humor in this movie, even though it's rated PG. What did you think about that? Yeah, there were some crude humor, but I don't think it's anything too serious. I didn't think the jokes were very original, but um, Mm -hmm. some of them were funny. There were a few racist jokes, though. Oh, I see. Well, I also think getting back to the humor side of that, I think that's great that it incorporates some adult humor without having it be too serious or too inappropriate for younger audiences, because then it's a children's film, it's rated PG, so then parents could take their children to this movie and their children can enjoy it and laugh at it and have fun and think about how cute and funny it is, but then also adults won't be just sitting there bored. They also have something to relate to and laugh at, which I think is great. So did you see this with your parents at all? Yeah, I saw this with my dad. And what did he think about it? Um, He thought it was funny. I saw him laughing at some jokes. He was able to get some of them, even though he's much older than me. Well, I think that's great that there's able to have that connection between the jokes. And uh, like I said before, I think that's absolutely the most important thing in movies that children and adults alike will be able to sit through a film and not, you know, get bored. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we are reviewing the movies Jack and Jill, and we will be giving you an inside look at the wizarding world of Harry Potter and Orlando, Florida, Universal Studios. So right now we're talking about Jack and Jill starring Adam Sandler. So far, it sounds like a fantastic film. So how many stars would you give this movie on a scale of one to five? Um, I would give this movie three out of five stars because I thought it was pretty funny, but I think the movie, um, they could have shown the more sweet and kind side of Joe because I thought the message of the movie was that there are positive aspects to everyone since Jack, in the end, he finally learns that Jill isn't as bad as she seems. But um, they don't really... They don't really show that sweet and kind side of her that he finally learns to appreciate. Mm -hmm. 
So this must be quite emotional because, you know, the sister's coming back and, uh, you know, uh, Jack must have some feelings about her being around the children and how crazy she is. How do you think the emotion was portrayed and what emotion was that that you really saw? Um, I think the emotion was very comical because although it was emotional, I mean, although it was um, serious in some parts of the movie, I think it tried to incorporate a lot of jokes and make it seem funny and lighthearted. Well, I think that's good. You know, comedy should say comedies, but at least there was, you know, a bit of that storyline and not just random humor. What did you think about the cinematography? I know that there had to be some special effects looking at the trailers and everything. How did you think that went out? I thought the cinematography was good. It was very straightforward. And um, as you said about the special effects, yeah, they were pretty impressive, but they didn't use a lot of them. I think one scene that stood out to me was when Jill, she was trying to ride um, a young horse and Uh I mean a pony and it just collapsed right when she sat on it. (laughs) That's hilarious. So um, what did you think about the makeup and everything with Jack and Jill making the two characters different but then alike with that? What did you think about, you know, the special effects considering makeup? Yeah, I thought the makeup was impressive because um, Jack, he really looks like a guy, but a few minutes later, you see Jill, and she doesn't really look like Jack that much. I mean, they do have some traits in common, but you can really tell that she's a girl, and they don't look, um, I mean, you can really distinguish how one is a male and one is a female. Well, that's good. I mean, at least it's not just he puts on lipstick and a wig, and that's that. I think that's good that they followed through with that and made it really you know, clear about how that was portrayed. So what did you, if you could um, be any character in this film, who do you think you would most likely relate to? I think I would relate most to Katie Holmes' character because I always want to create peace between my friends if they're fighting. And that's what she was mainly doing between Jack and Jill. And I don't really relate to Jill because I'm not very um, flamboyant or crazy as her. And um, Jack, he keeps trying to um, put her down, and he's always constantly annoyed. So I don't really relate to those traits either. Well, I think that's good that you can see yourself as the peacemaker. And that's definitely who I would see myself as. I'm not the kind of person that puts people down all the time, or I'm not really the type of crazy person. Although I can be like that occasionally, (laughs) and I think everyone can, but I'm not crazy (laughs) 24-7. Was there any morals or messages that would put out? I know you said earlier that it was a pretty lighthearted story, but was there any messages you got at all? Yeah, I think the main message of the movie was that um, there are positive aspects to everyone because in the beginning, Jack and Jill, um, they really had a lot of tension between each other. But in the end, when um, Jack was having a meeting with Al Pacino, and Al Pacino is insanely in love with Jill. So when Mm -hmm. they were talking about Jill, um, Jack finally realized that there are some good aspects to her and he should really appreciate who she is and she's his own sister I think that's fantastic that he was able to come to that sort of conclusion like it just because she's crazy doesn't mean that's all she is and she's not a bad person because she might have some hysterical fit sometimes (laughs) (laughs) 
So do you think you would incorporate anything into this movie that was left out? Or do you think you would leave anything out that was put into the film? I don't think I would leave anything out. If anything, I might include more jokes or um, show more of the sweet and kind side of Joe to really emphasize that message. And what did you think of the overall production and everything added together? I thought the production of the movie was good. It had so many, it had a lot of um, A-list actors. It had Katie Holmes, Adam Sandler, Al Pacino. It had some scenes with Johnny Depp and a lot of famous actors in the movie. I love movies like that that incorporate a bunch of big name actors, even if they're just tiny little parts. So I think that's fantastic. Thank you so much for telling me all about this film, Jack and Jill. I think our audience should definitely rush out and see this film right away. And it sounds absolutely fun. Let's take a break. I'm Raven Devaney from Kids First Coming Attractions, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Kids safe, mother approved. You're listening to Voice America Kids. This year's Kids First Film Critics Search Campaign launches September 1st and runs through the end of November. Kids ages 6 to 14 can enter for a chance to compete for eight coveted slots as Kids First Film Critics. To enter, kids need to submit a videotaped review of one of the official search campaign films or DVDs. Public voting determines the 20 finalists, and a panel of celebrity judges determines the winners. Last year, more than 11 million votes were cast for fewer than 100 contestants. To date, some of the exciting assignments covered by the Kids First film critics include a week-long film critics boot camp at the Walt Disney Studios, the red carpet premiere of Winnie the Pooh, sneak preview coverage of films like Cars 2, Judy Moody, and The Not Bummer Summer, with coverage on AOL Kids, Voice America Kids, and Working Mother. Check it all out at www.kidsfirst.org or on the Kids First Facebook page. Think you have what it takes to be one of America's next film critics? Just visit kidsfirst.org or the Kids First Facebook page. And hurry, you only have until the end of November to enter. Have you heard your 15 minutes of fame? How about four times that every single week? It's the fame game. Listen as Maddie Rose, who is up and coming in the world of fame, brings you fame from all walks of life. You'll hear from doctors, teachers, mentors, life heroes, as well as those in the fields of acting, movies, music, and more. Who knows? You might be the next one Maddie Rose talks to on the air. Listen for the fame game every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Kids Channel. You're listening to Voice America Kids, now with 33% more active ingredients and no artificial coloring. The Terrence Rogers Show will take the world by storm. The topics are sometimes newsworthy, sometimes personal, as we explore fashion, entertainment, art, and more. Host Terrence Rogers has seen a lot of life experience in his few years of life. It's this experience that allows him to bring a fresh perspective to the table, and he holds nothing back. Tune in to The Terrence Rogers Show every Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Kids channel. You'll laugh, cry, and most importantly, this show will reach out and touch your life. You are tuned in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Shh, turn your phone off. 
another movie is coming up. Attractions. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Let's talk about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter in Universal Studios, Orlando, Florida. And we're also going to be talking about Adventure Island, which is one of the theme parks in Universal Studios as well. So I have with me Makai, who was on the show a bit earlier, and she went to Wizarding World recently, as did I. So, Mikhail, what did you think about the Harry Potter theme park? What was that like for you? I know you're such a fan of Harry Potter, so how did you feel stepping into the movie? Oh, my gosh. It's so cool. It's like you're walking into the movie, and all the movies I actually saw, it felt like I was in there, but actually, like, being there is like, whoa, I'm actually here. Because I didn't think they were going to do something like this. And then mm-hmm. it's so cool to have them do something like this. Yeah, it's absolutely amazing. You step into Hogsmeade, which is, you know, where all the shops are. And instantly, it's like you're transported to a different universe. There's uh, the castle of the Hogwarts castle is up in the distance. And you see it on a mountain. And it's exactly like the movie, like to a T. It's exactly like a mo- the movie. And then you're walking through the town square and you're seeing all these shops and you're seeing, you know, the wand shop and you're seeing Honeyduke's candy shop with all the um, chocolate frogs in the windows. And you're seeing all the stands for butterbeer, which is absolutely fantastic, by the way. It's not alcoholic or anything, but it's really good. And um, you're seeing all the uh, staff that's working there. They're wearing wizarding costumes and it's just so lively. The music from Harry Potter is playing in the background. Yeah. It's an experience you can't even describe. It's so amazing. I thought it was brilliant to have them dressed up in the costumes, like if you went on the dragon ride, which is mm-hmm. absolutely crazy because you're going upside down and twirling all around. I closed my eyes the whole time, and I looked down, and we are like 70 feet in there, and I was like, oh, my God. So I closed my eyes the whole time and didn't even realize we were flipping upside down. Yes, it's fantastic. There's, um, I was actually, like I said earlier on the show, I got to go to the Harry Potter red carpet, and that was held right in the center of Hogsmeade, which is the Harry Potter park. And I was talking to some of the cast members, and I was asking them, you know, what do you think about this amazing place? And they said it was better than the movie sets. They said it was so amazing because the movie sets, you know, you can just punch holes in the walls because they're tiny little plyboard, and this is amazing and it was it was absolutely fantastic so let's talk about some of the rides Makai there's not many rides in the Harry Potter world because I think the whole aspect of just being in that theme park is enough but the rides that are there are fantastic I went there with Rani and I actually convinced her into going on to the dragon's challenge which was so fun she thought it was terrifying but I loved it um the dragon's challenge it is you go on to the ride and you have to like battle these dragons and it's this insane roller coaster. There's actually two roller coasters, the blue dragon and the red dragon, and I think they're equally fun, but they're very different. So, Makai, what did you think about the dragons challenge? Oh my gosh. It, 
I was like freaking Crazy. out. I was going upside down and everything, and my mom she lost her earring. Oh, and wow. um, one time my sister, uh, um, not here, but her flip flop fell off, and my mom she had to sit on her flip flops so they wouldn't um come off and like lose them on the ride. Oh yeah, it's a crazy ride. It's so fun though. Yeah. I don't think it was my favorite ride. My favorite ride would definitely be the one in the castle. It's Forbidden so Journey. That is my favorite ride, too. We'll get so to that in a second, but I just want to finish with um, the Dragon's way. Challenge really quick. And so, the Dragon's Challenge, the difference is kind of like one has more, like, bigger loops and going upside mm-hmm. down. And then I think the um, blue one goes faster. Because, yeah, um, it does. And then the orange one, it's just like a longer ride. Mm-hmm. I think so as well. And, um, you know, I got to, since I did the red carpet event, uh, the park stayed open. It closed to the, to the general public because all the stars were there. But the park stayed open after the red carpet event for about an hour. And there was only a couple people that went on the rides because everybody else was at the after party. And I went on the Dragon's Challenge a ton of times, and it was actually kind of creepy because there was nobody else on the rides except for me, and that was absolutely fantastic, but I love the Dragon's Challenge. It was so absolutely amazing. You're listening to Voice America Kids Network. I'm your host, Raven Devaney, and today we will be talking about the Wizarding World of Harry Potter theme park and Adventure Island in Universal Studios Orlando, Florida. So let's get to the Forbidden Journey ride. That is in the castle. And I have to say, even if you don't go on the ride, just the walk through the castle is amazing. You go through and you see all the pictures on the walls that talk to each other. Because, you know, in the, um, in the movie, there's the pictures that have conversations. And then you go into Dumbledore's uh, office and the books on the walls are moving in and out of their slots all over the place and there's quills writing and dump a hologram of Dumbledore himself is up on a balcony and it looks just like it's him and he's talking and telling you about how Hagrid has lost his dragon again and his dragon um, is running loose around the kingdom and then could I explain another part? Oh yeah, go ahead Sure, um, so and then when you walk into the other room, you're in, what's her name's office again? Uh, is it Professor Quirrell's? Yeah, I think so. Office, I think? Well, there's a bunch of different... Um, I think it's McGonagall's office, I'm not sure. Oh, uh, yeah. Because yeah. she did all of the books and the movies, and um, and this huge hologram, uh, well, not huge, but, like, life-size hologram comes up of... Ron, Harry, and Hermione, and you're looking mm-hmm. at them, and it's so cool. And then you hear, like, the door crack when they're coming in and out. And mm-hmm. then at one point, they throw the cloak over them. And I don't know if you were here in this in this part of the line, but at one point, Hermione does a spell, and this dust falls down on you. It's really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's cool. They throw um, the cloak over themselves, and it's really cool. And they make it snow. I think and that's then- cool. And then there was the sorting hat that talked, and I thought that I've always loved the sorting hat because of like the way it was bent in and the mouth. It was just so coolly, like it fits so well the structure of the sorting hat. And then yeah. it talked to us, and it was like talking about the different houses and how it would choose you. And it's kind of mm-hmm. funny because my sister was reading this thing, and it said, "Um, uh, 
Gryffindor would take all the wise ones and uh, Slytherin would take like all the bad ones or fierce ones. And then, I meant not Gryffindor would take all the brave ones and Ravenclaw would take all the wise ones and Hufflepuff would take all the rest. Yeah, and I think it was um, cool because the sorting hat was the one telling you, like, please remove your shoes and no flash photography. But it was cool because it was giving instructions in a way that was enjoyable, and that was fun. And then onto the ride, you step onto these, there's these benches, um, four-person benches with, like, things, um, bars over them so that you don't fall out of your bench. And you step onto this moving platform and get put in, and you can't see anyone who's sitting next to you because um, there's speakers on either side of you, and then you hear Hermione's voice, and she's like, over here. And you walk, and then she tells you to say a spell. And you say this spell, and she throws this magic dust on you, and then you go up into the air, and you're flying. And then it's it's so incredible, the ride, because part of it is... You yeah. actually felt like you're flying, and the way they made it bumpy, and how like mm-hmm. it was struggling, and like how Hagrid pulls you up when you're falling, mm-hmm. it's so awesome. And, and like par- it takes a little bit from each book and movie. Mm-hmm. And parts of it, um, of the ride are actually live, you know, sets that you're whizzing around and the sets are moving. And then other parts of it is just there's a screen in front of you portraying these images. But it's it's so flawlessly transitioned um, going between the live sets and then the screens. It's so flawless that you can hardly even tell what's real and what's on the production screen. No. It's moving around and it's all bumpy and it's fantastic. And at one point when they're... um. So you're in this live screen, and you're and Harry's fighting the dragon. And you're getting past him, and then all of a sudden, this real puppet dragon comes in front of you, and they breathe red, um, um, hot stuff at you. And you're like, whoa! And then you're going through the Whomping Willows, and then it goes back to the pictures, and then it comes right in front of you, and it's just. So yeah, it's very intense. Cool. You see, it's talking about Hagrid loses his dragon, and then you're going, and you see, um the video images of Harry sort of fighting the dragon and then the dragon disappears and then you're falling through these trees is what it seems like and it's really bumpy and it's dark and then all of a sudden you stop the bench stops and there's just this ginormous animatronic dragon head in your face and it just opens its mouth and it blows hot air on you and it is so intense it's so crazy and then there's some other parts where you know like Mikai said the whomping willow's there and it's thrashing about and that's actually um, you know, live sets, and they actually had a tree that was yeah. thrashing out. When my feet and- are down, I was, like, trying to move away from them, because they felt like they were going to actually come at me. Yeah, I and thought that like, I was going to get, like, hit or something. I was so intense. And the one part where the, um, the soul sucker thing, when they come, I, I, I kept on felting the Death Eaters. I thought they, I thought they were kept on, like, going to grab me. So mm-hmm. I was, like, trying to move. Yeah, there's Death Eaters that, like, they um, they blow air, air at you, so it seems like stuff's trying to attack you. And then uh, spiders, they, like, venom at you. That's crazy. 
Well, unfortunately, it looks like we're out of time. We didn't have time to talk about the rest of Adventure Island because Harry Potter is so crazy. It takes up, you know, all of this tension. So if you ever go to Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida, which I suggest for everyone, make sure to go to the Universal Studios Florida and then also Adventure Islands and check out all of it, especially a Harry Potter Wizarding World. Make sure to have some butterbeer. The Frozen kind is the best. And make sure to go on Forbidden Journey. Thank you so much for joining us. You've been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. You can experience more Kids First fun, watch our film reviews, and learn how you can become a Kids First film critic by going to www.kidsfirst.org. I'm Raven Devaney signing out, and you're listening to Voice America Kids. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Kids channel. Now you know what to see. And speaking of see, we'll see you again next week. <laughs>